Hey guys, Adam here. Just a word of note about these podcasts. Uh, they were recorded back in January uh, before Film Dispenser had closed its doors and also before the movie aisle had been uh, a reality. So you'll notice that there are some branding things in these um, in these episodes and um, definitely just go ahead and note that those those things are not applicable except for um, the social media stuff for myself and Marie specifically for the B movie podcast and then Marie for herself um, like with her own social media things you'll be able to follow us still on there and you'll also note that nothing was discussed about how Marie was coming on as a writer uh, onto the movie aisle because well the movie aisle didn't exist so I just wanted to give you those that heads up and then also a one word of note we've actually I've actually changed the title of it normally it would be just the actor's name Jake Gyllenhaal but because these came at a time where it was it was literally a limbo land between the movie aisle and film dispenser that this is unfinished business and I think that's a perfect title for this and uh, please enjoy these uh, these close to hour long episodes so you're getting like two additional hours of content not for free but you're you're getting started off with it and I think that, that it's a really good introduction into the podcast this is no ordinary dagger Releasing the sand turns back time. Only the holder of the dagger is aware of what's happened. Did you see that? Prince Dastan, have you wondered how you could have found such a treasure? Are you not curious why an orphan from the streets would be chosen to become a prince? The gods have a plan for you destiny. There are those who would use the power of the dagger to destroy the world. Time will erase everything. You must. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the B-Movie Podcast. I am your host, Adam Kautzer, and this week uh, we've got a special guest with us. I, um, I couldn't go starting off the new year without at least having Marie on for something because she's one of my favorite guests. So we have Maria <laughs> Sullivan on today with us, a uh, writer from Film Dispenser and um, blogger with uh, within her own right, with her, her own uh, website. So I'm going to go ahead and we're, what we're talking about today is actually, uh, well, you know what? Actually, I'm going to allow Marie to introduce this, uh, the, the subject <laughs> that we're talking about because he is very near and dear to her heart. Oh, bless you. Isn't that funny? So Adam says, I want to do a podcast about Jake Gyllenhaal. Who can I possibly ask to come join me? I know <laughs> Marie is the, the prime person and here I am. And thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, so we are today looking at Prince of Persia, colon, The Sands of Time. Let's get the full title in there because it's really important. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I have so much to say about this movie. Um, so, yeah, Adam, <laughs> what, what, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's just get right into it. So, um, actually, this week our, uh, our podcast is about Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, 
part of the reason why is because the Oscars are coming out fairly soon. Like the Oscars are announced or they could already be announced as we um, when this posts. And I saw Stronger. I really I really like his performance. His performance mm. is beautiful in that movie. It's something completely unexpected for me, um, something that I was not expecting um, because with those kinds of subjects, I typically prefer documentaries. And okay. So yeah. Str- Stronger was like before we get into Prince of Persia, like you know, just to take a little side tangent about why I asked. Well, I asked you because you are one of the, you're one of the, uh, the people that I know is a true Blue Jake Gyllenhaal fan. Like oh, they're yeah. not, they're not, they're not riding the bandwagon because all of a sudden he became a good actor, like I am. Uh, and he's not <laughs> even really a. He didn't become a good actor. He's always been one, but I feel like. For me, he's matured into his good looks and has started to become like where DiCaprio was, where he went from heartthrob to like very interesting actor in like the last three to five years. Yeah, I think it's it's to do with the, the, the choices that he's made with the, some of the roles he's had um, in the last, yeah, five or six years maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the early stuff is, is not not brilliant. He's... He, you know, he works well in the, the things he's chosen earlier, but I think you're right. He's definitely grown into somebody who's, who's, regardless of, you know, nice to look at, somebody whose films I will go and watch just because he's in it, because he usually chooses interesting stuff now. And Stronger is a really interesting one, because I saw that at the London Film Festival last mm. year before it was on uh, broad release, and, you know, that was top of the list. I was so annoyed he was in town to do an interview, and I couldn't get there on that day. Oh, um, I know, I know, I know somebody who went and she was like three rows in the front and posting pictures. And I was like, <laughs> I, hate, I hate you. I hate you. But um, yeah, so in the context, although I'm, as you said, the Oscar nominations have not been announced, but there's not been a lot of talk for Stronger or his performance in the last few weeks. Seems to have slipped away again in, in, in the light of other stuff. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. He was robbed for Nightcrawler. That's the problem. Should have had it for uh, yes. that. He should have actually won for Nightcrawler. It, it was yeah. that amazing of a performance, and yeah, um, yeah I, I found I find it interesting in in the two movies that we're talking about because next episode we're going to be talking about 2009's Brother uh, mm-hmm. Brothers, which is a remake of a Swedish film. Um, what uh, I find... just da- just to correct, it's Danish, but oh Danish, Scandinavian, yeah, 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 it's just no. beer, yeah. Please, please do correct me. I hate when I'm wrong <laughs> about these things because, you know, film geeks come out of the woodwork and they they, uh, they they actually DM me and they tell me these things. So please, if I if I do, if I do, and that is something that they will definitely course correct me <laughs> on because the 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 Danish film geeks, like they're very particular, like like Nordic Nordic film geeks, they're very particular about these things, and I don't want to get it wrong. I mean, I'm I'm an Asian film geek, so like you know, when somebody says uh-huh. that a movie's Vietnamese when it's really Korean, it gets kind of like, no, no, you don't understand. It is it is Korean, not Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> I get that way too. So, um, but what I find interesting about these two films is this is like right smack dab in the middle of the changeover with Gyllenhaal. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, it really feels like like he's trying to figure things out because 
Sands of Times is 2010, Brothers is 2009. So it's mm-hmm. like it's like this weird thing of like, am I gonna? What am I? What am I doing? Am I? I'm depressed about like you know not still not playing Batman and and Spider Man. So I'm gonna do something kind of big, but then I'm also really interested in smaller, compact work, like mm-hmm. intimate work, and it seems like he like. Like with any actor, what I find most interesting is those transition periods because they're working stuff out in their head. They're working shit out. And Gyllenhaal definitely feels like he's like around that time he's working shit out to figure out who the actor that he wants to be. And and this kind of like this and that's fascinating to me because a lot of actors a lot of actors will stay in one thing and that's why they're not successful. It's like guys like Gyllenhaal who actually go, at least to me, and maybe uh, you can talk to this. It's the it's the risks that they take. It's pushing beyond. Uh, it's pushing beyond like the heartthrob stuff and finding something of substance. Yes, and and I think in one sense we have to be grateful that he didn't get Batman and that he didn't get Spider Man, mm-hmm. and that Prince of Persia didn't take off as the franchise it was supposed to be, because then I think we would have missed out on what I think is the real essence of his work which is being a bit edgy a bit darker um i mean he's he's done plenty of comedy and or light-hearted things but which i mean i watch but i think it's it's definitely we seem better from him when it's when it has that edge oh yeah absolutely it's like even in stuff that's that people nobody watches like because i actually was gonna i was actually going to switch it up like what like what we were t- like I liked the I liked where we were with the the choice, but mm-hmm. I almost asked if we could do Brothers and Southpaw. But Southpaw is such a different oh, methody. Yeah. Uh, it's such a methody performance. It's such a like I'm getting to the top of my game in my 30s, and I want to do something both physical and methody actory, where I'm going to mumble through it mm-hmm. that. I was like, no, 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 no. This is actually a good double feature. <laughs> we can talk about <laughs> Southpaw at another time because I mean, absolutely, yeah. There's so many different, like what I like, what I find because I am a fan, but I'm I'm a late fan. Like I liked him in October Sky. I really respected his work in Brokeback Mountain, but other than that, it was like Ebb and Flow. Is like, oh, killing all. He just kind of seems he's the guy from Bubble Boy. Like that's yes. what I literally <laughs> remember him from after after like you know October Sky, which was such it's still such a beautiful like film about a childhood and being smart and being driven but then you get bubble boy which i'm still i i still like like if i ever interviewed him i'm like dude what's up with bubble boy (laughs) bubble boy but but bubble boy is not the worst thing that he's done in my opinion Uh, okay so what is the worst thing that he's done like i I, i'm i'm now i'm very curious okay there's a film called accidental love which i stumbled across i think it was on netflix over here not so long ago Uh i mean he is doing he it was directed by david o russell as stephen green yes stephen green that's important and (laughs) honestly i mean poor jake he does what he can with what he's given but I, i i can't even begin it's like it's not even like chad it's just absolutely appalling content that uh, how on earth he got attached to that i have no idea so th- there you go there's a tip for you go have a look at that then oh, come I, back 
we'll pair that with Southport and then we'll, that would be a great <laughs> that would be really interesting um <laughs> that would be very interesting uh so uh, but i've i've been intrigued by his work like uh, to be honest it's like even <clears throat> Even early, like in in the early two thousands or the late two thousands into the into the end of that era, like he was still doing some really interesting work. Um, it, but I think that it's like like you said, like with the advent of Nightcrawler, um, a film that we talked about earlier, which was Enemy or Prisoners. Mm. Oh, and yeah, his fi- enemy. Yeah, yeah, we did enemy. Yeah, yeah, we did enemy, not prisoners. But finding, uh, but him finding Denis Villeneuve and working mm. with him for a couple of films, which, to be honest, like there's a part of me that f- feels like Arrival would have been even greater if they had cast Gyllenhaal in the Jeremy Renner role. Oh, see, I never thought of that. Well, yeah, maybe. I he, like Jeremy Renner in that film, though. I have to say, I think he did a good job of. He did. Of be, yeah, of being this the kind of because that role is second. Amy Adams takes that 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 movie, oh, and, yes. and the the male the male role is a supporting one, which I think Renner does really well. But um, yeah, I can see that. But then I would I'm all for Jake and everything. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, absolutely. I I definitely I, I'm. I, I'm definitely for. Uh, I'm on the Gyllenhaal train now, like like because of how interesting he is. Um, but let's go back to a time where he was trying to figure things out. Prince of Persia's <laughs> colon the sands of time. Yeah. Uh, yes. Good grief. Okay, so directed by Mike Noel. Mike Noel. Yeah. For other film geeks that may not have been grown up in the 90s, was huge in the 90s. He was Hugh Grant's boy. He directed the the thing that he you that you should know him from. The the thing that he's like you know like like he's he directed a Stone Cold classic, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Like you, sh- he directed a Harry Potter film. Uh, I mean, he did. It, yeah, he um uh what you call it um uh, Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Donnie Brasco, um, uh, Into the West, which is one of my favorites. It's a, uh, it's a like a kids movie about uh, these two Irish boys, or they're they're half Irish. Their uh, their parents are played by Gabriel Byrne and Ellen Barkin, who are going through a divorce. Oh. So yeah, it's oh, it's such a good movie. But he done he he's done so much <laughs> good things, and then it comes to. The Sands of Time, and it's like, it's almost like he's trying to be, it's like, it's it so wants to be Pirates of the Caribbean. It, well, I mean, Bruckheimer's producing it, so you kind yeah. of, you know, it, you're expecting it to go in that direction. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah. But you're talking like you don't like it very much. No, no, I do. I, 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 <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> and that's the I, whole thing. I have that. Oh, that's on record now. That's great. Oh, no, it, I do. I really like this film. It, okay, so to me, and this is my first, this is my impression of it after coming back to it after seven years of not seeing it. Seeing it in the theaters, being baffled by it, going, what? 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 <laughs> and, yeah. And going, I, I don't get this. Like, I'm, uh-huh. I uh to watching it this time and just having a, a really really good time with it um after the first 30 minutes uh, and we'll get to that in a moment but um okay. honestly it feels like 
it, like to me it feels like Mike Noel was like trying to make a Mario Bava film. Like it, mm-hmm. it like or he unintentionally made a Mario Bava film. Like a film that's beautiful to look at, has English actors playing roles that they shouldn't be playing. <laughs> having American people, American actors playing roles as British people that they shouldn't be playing. And the dialogue making no sense whatsoever like a Mario Bava film. And so <laughs> when when I figured this out after about 10 minutes of watching the film, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, Vi- this is like Bava's Vikings. It's, it, it's like aping something, but it does it in such a weird, like have no sense of like, what I feel like is that nobody ever played the video game, so they didn't understand the, <laughs> the the story that they were telling. And it like again, it goes back to like the Mario Bava thing for me, but it's still a lot of fun because in all of the nonsense, they really commit to it and they really, really want this movie to work. Like, I mean, like Ben Kingsley is like. Like between Ben Kingsley and and Alfred Molina, I'm not sure who gets the Alan Rickman chewing senior scenery award <laughs> <laughs> because they both they both do it, and then poor Toby Cabell just stranded in a, in a role. I'm like I'm like oh I love you, dude. What I, I I didn't even realize he was in this film. Like no, it was a late addition to the cast. Apparently, there was a. Uh some injury to someone else and he was drafted in at the last minute so yeah he's a bit on the edge there <laughs> drafted in i love that 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 coin of phrase because literally this this feels in certain sections you could tell the actors are just trudging through this movie, <laughs> trying to get and, it good yeah and i also think that the, because he was not the first choice he must have been left wearing the costumes must already have been prepared because that helmet that he's wearing on his head is the wrong size. It's too small for his head, and he looks absolutely ridiculous in it. Yes. And I couldn't stop laughing every time he came on screen with that on his head. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, he did. He totally looked wrong in it. Like, well, like everything seemed a little ill-fitting for him. And <laughs> it, it, I was just watching it, just going, I, I uh. What? <laughs> I'm like this is like I mean because he happens to be one of my favorite uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite actors just because of the variance of roles that he's been given and I I always find it fascinating when an actor like like him gets into motion capture and they it's not that he gets he got stuck in in the motion capture loop he embraced like I mean, to me, he like all the work that he's done in motion capture is just as good as um, as um, Andy Circus. As Andy Circus, yeah. I mean, you know, like when you watch, I think why Dawn is probably the best of the ape movies is because Andy Circus has Toby Cabell to play off of as Koba, like those yeah. those two warring like. Like, it still gives me goosebumps even thinking about them together. And then, of course, he played the new iteration of Kong, which was, is such a – it's so funny to think that he learned – like, you can only imagine he learned a, he learned a lot from Circus. I've mm-hmm. heard that he's also in Circus's um, jungle. Like, uh, obviously, Andy Circus likes him because he's in Andy Circus's jungle book that still hasn't been ah. released. Um, yeah. I can't remember who he plays. I think he might play Shere Khan. Um, Uh? yeah, so so you know that he's, 
like, you know, it's just I find it very fascinating that these that he's so willingly has taken this left turn into motion capture. And that fascinates me. Um, so, but here it's like, it, it's like he plays the cliche of a cliche of a cliche, <laughs> but he tries to do his best with it. Like his ending moments, like were like some of my favorite because it was like, it was like, he, <laughs> it's like, it's like, like first year drama student bad, but I think, that he <laughs> knew, I think that Cabell, like to- Toby Cabell knew what he was doing. Because of the way it's a very arched tone, like some of the actors play it with an arched tone, some don't. And so you get this weird mixture of performances that it's like, like, like my favorite thing, that thing that kept me giggling, like in the way that you you were giggling was uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's British accent. Oh, well, now that's a really interesting thing, because when I first saw this, I don't know when. I don't think I went to the cinema to see it. Uh-huh. But the first time I saw it, I remember my lasting memory was, what, what is that film? And what is that accent? And it's absolutely terrible. And I, thank you very much. End. And I watched it again this time. And I thought, do you know what? It's not that bad. The accent is not that bad. Mm-hmm. The issue is a lot of it, I think, they had to do, um, they had to do a lot of looping afterwards. <laughs> and that is what's bad. And a lot of people suffer, even the, the British speakers have this, it just doesn't sound right, even though it's their own voices. And I did wonder, but the first time I saw it, whether it was actually Jake's voice at all, and whether they had just got someone in to dub a British accent for him. Oh. And actually, I think it's him. I think it is him. I just think it's the looping that's been you know leaves a bit to be desired his accent is really interesting and i'm not you may not pick up on the the nuances of it Mm -hmm. he everybody the other british speakers have very i suppose what people might look at as nice british accents that you might hear on the bbc and you know Mm -hmm. proper um his is slightly more it's definitely still a southern accent possibly i would say london accent i'm not brilliant but definitely southern london but not somebody who is who has a a posh accent if you like but that's right because of the three brothers he was the one who was found on the streets and brought in so he is you know a poor boy from a poor family or whatever um and so he does have a slightly different accent and he I actually think he does really well with it, to be honest. I've heard significantly worse. So, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it it throws me for a loop because, okay, so, and, and this may work opposite for you, but, like, for me, whenever I hear an American doing, a, a, like, an, uh, an English accent or a British accent, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work for me. Like, it just, okay. I literally sit there and go, I know you. I know what you, I, I know, like, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, you're, you don't sound like that. You sound like me. You sound, you have, you have that nondescript California LA accent. I'm like, you don't have this. And I couldn't, I couldn't like, you know, pick up on the intonations. Like, unless, unless somebody's pe- speaking with that, like, that, um, a, seriously like a different accent like like Mm -hmm. somebody who who spoke with like say uh somebody from wales or somebody with a cockney accent i could i mean of course i can tell the difference between those but like posh british 
uh, like posh Londoner and like, you know, say somebody who's not so maybe middle class, working class, um, mm-hmm. I would not be able to pick up. But that's interesting that you say that like that, that kind of uh, that kind of goes to something that I really like about Jake Gyllenhaal in this performance is that regardless of what you think of the movie, if you look at Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie, he is extremely earnest. He is trying to sell this movie as though he was Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah. And and, and going back to what you said, he probably was thinking, right, this is my big break. I've got the starring role in a franchise. We're going to get two, three, four movies. Um, You know, so he was definitely invested in it and really, you know, really going for it. And um, yeah, good on him for that. (laughs) It just it it just didn't work. I mean, I I think a lot of the problem like, okay, so my biggest problem and it's the only problem I really have with the movie there's two really big problems I have with the movie, which, which is, I don't think that, I don't think that anybody understood the story that they were telling. And then mm-hmm. the other thing is, is the the film is what two hours and or like close to two hours. And one hour t- fifty one minutes. Yeah, one hour and fifty one minutes. I timed it. It took thirty minutes to get to the quote unquote proverbial MacGuffin, the sands of time. 30 minutes that is a lot of setup for a movie that's ostensibly just a fun summer ride and like it's wildly like and that's what like that's where my complaint comes is that the there's no consistent rhythm to the movie it feels like wildly inconsistent in how it shifts gears for me yeah that i can see i i I, yeah it is you know, are we with Alfred Molina and the ostriches? Are we in the palace? Are we whatever? Yeah, it it, it is a bit up and down. I have to say, I've watched it. I watched it twice mm-hmm. um, before we're speaking now. And as I've watched it more, it, I, I can't, that disappears because I think the first time it's like, what, I've forgotten the plot. Why are they doing that? Why? What? Because there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Actually, the more the more I watch it, if you can be bothered to watch it more <laughs> uh, which is a, dif- a different matter but if you do actually you forget that because you do kind of go along for the ride with them but um did you ever play the video game because i'm not a video game player at all so that i didn't i don't have any of that baggage at all was that something you did yes this is absolutely i did um i played the first oh, okay so i played the one that was on the computer in the 80s Right. Which was a side scroller, which is like the one that like that's the one that I have the fondest memories of. And then the, this iteration, the one that uh, the film is based off of, I, I played the first two. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where that's where my problem comes is that the mechanics of the game are exactly the way that it works in the in the film, almost verbatim. Mm-hmm. But the problem was that it took too long to get there for me. It's like 30 minutes of setting up everything there's quicker ways of doing this and it doesn't (laughs) feel like efficient filmmaking because i'm we're like literally sitting there and then by the time that happens you go you honestly just literally think to yourself okay i could have done without at least 15 minutes of that and just gotten to this point and it had been just as efficient storytelling um and I really I liked the game I liked uh, I liked the game a lot like oh well, the first two games I really liked um, when I was playing them when I guess it would have been like um, they would have came out in the early two thousands so mm-hmm. like so I was 
probably in my mid 20s, mid to late 20s. So um, it was a lot of fun. They were a lot of fun. And um, there are things in here like the ostriches (laughs) that are a part (laughs) of the video that are a part of the video game, Um, which I'm still. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wild as it is. Yeah. There's there's a lot of weird, questionable stuff in the in the games as much as the the movie has some questionable things like the whole cat, like the whole aspect of the, of casting. Um, mm. with the exception yeah, we, of Sir we, Ben. We need to talk about the casting. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, with the exception of Sir Ben and Alfred Molina, I mean, mm-hmm. you got these, you've got all of these very Anglo centric actors playing, uh, Persian roles or, or, or roles that are meant to be Middle Eastern things that, which I found funny was watching this going, this, if, if this was if if the Aladdin that live action Aladdin thing that that guy Richie is working on right now, if yeah. that was made, if that was made in two thousand and ten, that's what this would look like. Yes, but it literally I feels like Aladdin. Yeah, you could never, you would never get away with with the casting that they've done now. It's it's a real issue in many ways because you look down the the cast list and you you get down to twenty five people before you get a name that is, you know, Middle Eastern or you know. And the thing is that yeah. India and Middle Eastern are different again. Yes. And the lead the lead assassin is played by a Scandinavian, and and I think that is the huge elephant in the room is that. You know, much as I love so many of the actors, none of them is Persian, and that, no. it's yeah, it's really tricky to to. It does spoil the enjoyment of the film a little bit, I have to say. Yeah, um, it, you know, it, it, it's, it does feel. I do feel a bit uncomfortable saying I really had great fun with this when not one of the cast actors is Persian or Iranian or whatever the. Yes. No, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it it is it is extremely difficult, but at the same time, it's like if and this comes like to me, this comes to the way that we watch movies. And for me, and I think I've actually talked about this before on the B movie podcast, is is that with B movies or with any movies after a certain era, there has to be an understanding, an agreement between the viewer and the and the movie itself that this is of a different era you don't have to agree Mm -hmm. with the you don't have to agree with the politics of that era and i know that this is only seven years but a lot has changed in seven years (laughs) (laughs) a lot is i mean a lot has changed in two years um yeah and that's where i come from and that's what i try to speak to with people like when i'm when i'm talking about um, when I'm talking about films like this, which is is that you have to have you have to come in with the agreement that you're seeing a film that's politics, maybe you not agree with, but you you have to understand that that was of the air. You don't have to agree with it at all. And there's some yeah. movies where you know it's like, and this is very apparent right now. Like, I mean, it, it's it apparent just in general. Like having this is a problem that I mean, it just shows you the kind of problem it's been for up until recently. I mean, I mean, even with the Aladdin casting, I mean, they literally had to bring up a whole storm of of issues. Like people had to start saying, "Well, are they going to cast?" Uh, you know, let's just hope that they don't cast. You know, 
uh, let's just hope they don't cast white and which is a valid complaint and having mm. to having to go that far and to the point of pressuring a major studio to not do that it's like that's just happening in the last two years like yeah and the whole thing is is that in Aladdin I mean they're they're casting very they're, they're not even casting they're casting people of color but they're not even casting accurately because I think what two of like all three are of Indian descent. One is half mm -hmm. Indian and half, um, half white. And then the other two are um, Indian actors. So you're talking about Aladdin, which is takes place in the Middle East, but you're getting mm -hmm. Indian actors to play them. Uh, you, these roles, which I mean, again, it's really complicated, but it's all to say, like, going back to it, it's like, it's one of those things where I look at it and Prince of Persia, I'm not going, like, this is not my favorite movie of all time, but I had a lot of fun with it, and I can check it out the the door, I can check that stuff out the door, as long as, like, I know that that stuff is there, and mm -hmm. it, it's like, sometimes when you look at it, you go, oh, yeah, this is really bad, this is really <laughs> bad, um, but yes, like, you know, you do have to actually acknowledge it and kind of, like I said, come with an, come to an agreement on it. And if you don't want to, I mean, that's always your choice. Like, you know, that's what I always say is that you don't have to, you don't have to watch the movie. Like, you know, yeah. you don't have to promote it. Uh, but it definitely, I'm not going to let somebody go in blind and say, oh yeah, it's great. This is not, this is not an issue. No, it, it, it is. It definitely mm -hmm. is. I mean, you know, what I do find interesting also, another thing that was a wrinkle this time um, that was the the weird politics, uh, the, the weird sexual politics that were going on in this film. Well, I have to say, this is a very saucy Jake. He yes. is very, very flirtatious and sometimes <laughs> inappropriately so, I have to yes. say. Like that was okay. So the whole selling of uh, of uh, the, the the princess, I was sitting there with my jaw <laughs> dropped. I was like, "What? Wait, I don't remember this at all." And him oh, and Alfred Molina just laughing it up, hucking it up. I mm -hmm. mean, and Molina the way that he, the way that he's like, you know, the way that they, he like. I've always thought Molina would like like recently once the. And this may be a deal breaker for some people when I say this, but it, it just kept on coming up whenever I was watching him. Since the whole allegations with the Harvey Harvey Firestein, uh, the Harvey Weinstein stuff, not Harvey Firestein, poor Harvey Firestein, I would <laughs> want to get him mixed up in that. I always, I like, I thought I was like, you know what? They're gonna like in in like five years, they're gonna make a movie about this, and they're probably gonna cast Alfred Molina because <laughs> he looks like Harvey Weinstein. And the entire oh time God. I was watching this, I was like, Alfred Molina looks kind of like Harvey Weinstein, and I don't like this at all. And this is a really uncomfortable section of the movie. Why are we doing this? Why, why, why? But I will say, in a small, def not into defense of that, but in defense into like this weird kind of sexual politics things. They show just as much uh, Gemma Arterton skin as they do Jake Gyllenhaal. Maybe Jake Gyllenhaal gets a little bit more skin, like, shown. Like, he's shot just as, like, just as, like, weirdly sexualized as Gemma Arterton is. If not, yeah, more I, so. 
And this is a Disney film. You put yes. the DVD in, and there you get the fireworks and the fairy castle. <laughs> it's Disney. Yes. And then the next thing, there are people running around with wearing very little. And yes. Um, and they're, they're very they're very good at what at the blood aspect of it and chopping people's heads off. That that's quite well not hidden but hinted at rather than seen but you're right there's there's yeah she and can i say where did she keep getting all the changes of clothing from every time a new scene appeared she's wearing a different outfit yes you're on the run in the desert where <laughs> are all these clothes With, and her uh, hair and makeup beautiful all the time oh. okay now, now, that is one thing that I found hilarious was I made sure that my TV, like, I always, like, I know this sounds weird, but once a month, I always make sure that my TV is tuned, the picture is tuned perfectly. Uh-huh. And I was like, why does, why do both Jake Gyllenhaal and Gemma Arterton and the second half of the movie, not the first half, but the second half, they look like Cheetos. They look like orange <laughs> Cheetos. They look like they went to the same, uh, the the same, like, suntanist that, um... Are, are like the United States president goes to. I mean, because they, they literally looked orange. I was like, and I, it was so much so, Marie, <laughs> that I pulled out my Blu-ray because I was literally watching it. The first time I watched it, I was like, did something happen to my TV? I literally popped it out <laughs> and I put in a CQ disc just to make sure that my color bars were set correctly. And I'm like, oh my God, they're literally orange. They oh literally just jacked up the, it's either the picture is that good or the somewhere along the line they got the tan mix the tan to makeup mixture kind of wrong <laughs> and they both literally look orange now i will say this i i don't like other than maybe southpaw i've never seen jake gillenhall look this ripped like he is ripped with a capital r and i'm like wow dude okay i can understand why you wanted to be shirtless half this movie you worked hard on this but you still look orange Oh, well, you now see, I think there is a lot of orange light going on there. So a lot of the time they are bathed in this orange light and they've been out in the desert on the run, you know, in the open. So I'm if Jake wants to show off his beautifully toned and tanned arms, then <laughs> I, I, I don't care what color they are, to be honest, you know, um, it's wrong. This is wrong. No, it's not wrong. No, I've discovered. I've discovered that I am a fan of arms, and I think it's probably been brewing for a couple of years. But you know those those leather straps that that I was going to ask about those. Dylan Hall is wearing. I don't care what they're for. They are a good look on him. They they really are. And the yes, the arms are. Um, I think they they could be uh, maybe something that I look to. And I noticed um, with my future husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Chris Evans, who, um, you know, ripping apart logs and <laughs> holding <laughs> helicopters down from flying. It's all in the arms. So, you know, I can forgive them if they're orange with a few leather straps around them. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to go back and watch again and check that my color is right. <laughs> yeah, excuse. <laughs> and there, I mean, there's other, like, to me, it's it's so funny because, like, Action movies, like, w- what what's so funny to me about action movies is the fact that, um, like, Prince of Persia is the perfect example of this, which is, is that it's, 
it's like the perfect marriage for like when you talk about a, like, you know, like seeing a, like a movie that both a man and a woman can see together. It's kind of like this perfect like middle ground where yeah. you're, you're both getting sensory overload. Like guys like action. They like things blowing up. We like seeing special effects, all that yada yada stuff. I mean, women, I mean, not to say that women don't like that, but it's like what I like about Prince of Persia is, is that there is this, it seems like there is this, this active knowledge. And maybe this is the Mike Noel thing, like touch of it, which I hate saying that with this movie is like, okay, so the Mike Noel touch is the fact that he understood that you need two very attractive leads. Like ultimately, Mm. If you want to make like a movie that is going to interest somebody like a la, a la like the Pirates of the Caribbean, you want to get that four quadrant um, like you want to get everybody like part of it is, is that you can't skimp out on like, yes, everybody knows like beautiful, attractive woman. But rather than, you know, a Sylvester Stallone or somebody like that, when you get somebody like a Jake Gyllenhaal, it intrigues like, you know. It intrigues women because, you know, he's not just he's not just the standard action guy, but you can make him the standard action guy, giving him, you know, having him go get ripped, you know, muscles, uh, muscles of plenty. But you also you get a different aspect of it. It doesn't become like this. It doesn't become just a like an alpha male like thing where you have Arnold or Stallone and. I mean, let's be honest, Stallone and Arnold, like great bodies, but not the not exactly the most attractive men uh, facha wise in the world. Right. No. (laughs) Okay, carry on. Carry on. uh, But what I was like, but if you get a good looking guy that can act and do all those things, too, you, you kind of ingratiate both audiences and it doesn't become just about one side, a one sided affair. If yeah, I'm making any I, sense whatsoever. No, 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 that's right. And I would add to that the fact that w- there is flirtation between the two of them, but it they never kind of go down this massive romantic relationship thing all the way through because they're too busy yes. being action. And, you know, Princess Tamina gets her own shots now and again at, you know, wielding swords or, you know, sa- saving herself or stabbing the snake into the guy's face you know that kind of thing she 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 gets her chance she's not being saved all the time which is fine and um, you know we only get one kiss and it's a terrible kiss it is awful <laughs> I, I really hope that's not indicative of, of how jake kisses because that would be really sad it's absolutely dreadful um it- you know what it reminded me of, uh, mm-hmm. and this is like okay. So first, have you you've seen the last? Have you seen the Last Jedi yet? I have seen the Last Jedi. Yeah. Okay. So for everybody, spoilers for the Last Jedi. Uh, if you've not seen it, just fast forward a minute. Um, it reminded actually, I had even made a comment about it, that that kissed. It reminded me of the awkwardness of the Rose. Um, a Finn kiss mm, yeah. in The Last Jedi, which is something that I was actually re- actively rooting for. But when it happened, I was like, oh, no. It yeah, no, so not wrong. like that. Not like that. Not right, yeah, not like that. <laughs> not like that. Not this way. <laughs> I was just like, no. Because it, it was just such a, like, it was just, there was nothing there. It, it was it was like either Jim Arnton didn't want to do it or Jake Gyllenhaal just really was like, do we have to kiss? This doesn't seem right. Yeah. You know? Well, um, but I mean, you know, it's 
the derogatory it's the the obligatory kiss not the derogatory uh, though, <laughs> though <laughs> it was you quite, watch it, it was quite derogatory <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes it was um, come on jake you could do better than that that was <laughs> I, I was really disappointed with that i have to say yeah it, it, honestly it, it, i mean it was like one of those things where it's like I like a little like I like a little bit of swashbuckling in my movies and and that's part of what I think ultimately where I my my fanboyishness is scratched on this film is that mm-hmm. it really lays heavily into the whole like Errol Flynn, Rudolph Valentino aspect of like swashbuckling swashbuckling adventure films which mm-hmm. we we don't get a lot of anymore if at all and it is a, it's way different than say action adventure all of like I know I know a lot of people would say well it's kind of like Raiders of the Lost Ark and I'm like no this is not Raiders of the Lost Ark that's mm. different that's action adventure this is swashbuckling you know swords and sorcery like you know chasing like one of my favorite things about the video game was how they how a lot of it is about like kind of parkour where you're jumping from building to building mm, yeah and that's something also sorely lacking, even though they had a bit of it, which was a lot of fun. I liked that aspect, like, you know, him jumping from street to street. Like, um, there's that final chase scene where he's being chased by the um, by the guards and he's on the rooftops and he's going like he's jumping very nimbly through um, yeah. through the rooftops and then on the sides of the buildings and stuff. Um and that was a lot of fun. I mean, it is a lot of fun. I mean, regardless of some of the questionable, like, you know, the questionable casting and the questionable politics of it, it is actually a lot of fun. <laughs> it is. And we need to, I need to throw in there some of the questionable imagery and shots. I mean, if there are any very young people listening, switch off. But this is to a great extent a film about jake's magic penis it is i had to rewind two or three times I'm rewind showing my age now went back <laughs> two or three times and thinking did did they really just do that in a disney film i, I mean if you i don't know if you have the dvd or blu-ray copy mm-hmm. the, the image on the front of mine has jake with two curved blades swords scimitars i don't know what they're called they are pointing they are pointing very distinctly (laughs) at a look at it take a look am i right yes it is i'm looking at it right now yep okay how it's okay we know it's all about daggers we know it's all about the snakes that appear i mean i don't know how every time she tried you know this this phase where she was trying to kiss him so that she could steal the dagger yes and that was it. So every time she goes to kiss him, she puts her hand out towards the dagger, which he keeps very conveniently tucked in the front of his trousers. So the camera and her eye line is constantly looking there. And I'm thinking, this is, are they, is it me? Maybe it's me. Maybe it's just me reading this into it. But no, then the, um, oh, the, the guy who can throw all the knives at, I forget his name. Is he called? Oh, the assassin. That's the not the assassin. The guy who's with Alfred Molina. Uh, oh, um, the, oh gosh. Uh, yes, I know who you're talking I should about. Look, yeah, him. Anyway, and he throws the dagger down to stop him moving, and and he says, you know, do you want him to move it a little bit higher? Do you want him to throw the next one a little bit higher? And the camera angle is looking from Jake's feet directly up into the crotch and this dagger is wobbling in the ground straight up and i'm thinking 
what this is maybe that's what's to keep the ladies watching but it is definitely not disney i i'm shocked i tell you shocked yep <laughs> nope uh, no, and, no, I, you know. I, 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 it was funny because I was watching and I was like, okay, yeah, there's, there's this, <laughs> there, there's this whole thing right here. Uh, good grief. Like there is, there, there is. And yeah. Yes, this is true. How many times does she reach? It is. And she reaches forward with the dagger or he reaches with the dagger and it's always moving forward. It's like, yeah, you catch hold of the dagger and you push the button on the end and it turns back time. And I'm thinking, well, if that's Jake, then bring it on. That's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> uh, and what would always like one of the things that did shock me um, was I thought there was going to be like there is a decent amount of, of leering at her cleavage. But it it was not as much as the leering that's done with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Because, I mean, there's a you, lot of leering yeah, done with Jake Gyllenhaal. There is. And I think there's only one scene where the camera actually looks down her cleavage yeah. and lingers there for any length of time. But actually, that is deliberate because later on we find out, you know, you, or you can see if you know what you're looking for. But it's it's not actually the cleavage that's being leered at. Yes, and that, and I don't think there's any, there's much more than. I mean, yeah, she looks beautiful and her clothes and hair and everything. We see that, but I, I do think there's less of that view of her than there is of him. Nope, you're, 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 you're absolutely right. And that was, that was something that was interesting to me. I was like, huh, that mm. is, that, that is definitely interesting. Um, one thing that I did want to bring up before we close it out is, how do you feel? Okay, so. This movie is ostensibly a time travel movie, um, mm. which I actually I love time travel movies. Um, how do you feel it, it does as a time travel movie? I think the issue with most time travel movies is they're great if you don't think about them too hard. Yes. If you start if you start trying to really unpick how that works when you travel back in time, it's not going to work. So um, I like the idea, and I like the idea that there's a minute of time in that dagger handle and that's exactly the amount of time that they rewind. So they don't play with that. You know, it is the same amount of time as they've used up. So once the minute's gone, the sand's gone, it's empty, then they can't do it anymore until they refill. I, I really liked it. And I, I didn't, I didn't think it was too bad actually. No, no, you, you, I, I liked it too. I liked the conceit. I liked even the, um, I liked even the final showdown, even though it's exactly what I what I hate in movies, which is like a big gobbly special effects laden thing. But it's not really because at the end end, like when they shift the time and I'm, I'll am i let because I'm pretty sure that a lot of people have just missed this movie, uh, have not watched yeah. it. I don't want to ruin the ending, but there's some really clever time things, especially between him and his brother. I really yes. liked that scene. Like, I liked that scene a lot because it it subverts your expectation, especially in a big budget film, because you're not supposed to do stuff like that. But then yeah. also that final ending between him and the final bad guy, which it's very obvious who the bad guy is within two seconds, if you don't realize. But I'm still not going to ruin who the ultimate bad guy is. No. Um, but I liked that whole, that whole jumping back and... Getting, 
getting a specific happy ending. Though I wish that they had worked harder. Like ultimately, it goes back to that whole thing of like, like that fi- the first thirty minutes didn't work for me. So the happy ending didn't have the emotional resonance it should have. Ah, and I liked the ending though because he knew I, something that she didn't, and so he's yes. going to have to work work his magic on a, <laughs> on the princess Chimina because she doesn't remember everything they've been through, but he does, and I liked that. No, I, I did. That, that was a really great way of finishing it. Up. But then I don't have the video game to, you know, as any kind of background. No. So I'm just taking it at face value. Now, I did like that aspect of it. What I did not like was the whole thing of, like, it was supposed to be, like, this whole connected thing of, like, oh, like, I, un- like, that earned because we had spent their time, we had spent all the time with those two. What didn't work for me was the um, was the whole family thing because we didn't mm-hmm. spend enough like we didn't spend enough like it, it wasn't that we didn't spend enough time. It's that we didn't spend enough purposeful time to make it connect mm. for me. Right. So it was like yeah. like that those moments where he's looking and he's like, oh, my my brothers. I'm like, eh, OK, yeah, but <laughs> let's get to the point where 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 you see the princess again. Come on, let's see this. We know where this is headed. Um, but the cleverness of it, the cleverness of like that whole final that that final act, I really liked. I really liked yeah. a lot. Um, and I mean, ultimately, I mean, like I enjoyed the heck out of it. I mean, it was like a just a, a little bit of a side thing. Like um, I didn't have it and then when we talked about it i was like okay you know so i'm gonna buy it like uh, first i'll see how much it is on itunes it was like 14 bucks i was like uh, oh god <laughs> i was like no let's go ahead and go to like you know like i have a there's a place that sells used blu-rays and dvds mm-hmm. that it's close to my house um so i went there and um it was on uh, like they had it of course it was used and um it was for um, four dollars American, so I was like, mm-hmm. four dollars American? I can't beat that. And I mean, it's really worth it. Um, I actually saw it was on Amazon. I think you can pick it up for like like six ninety nine. I on Blu ray, I would I would say it's well worth it because I've watched it twice, and I'll probably end up watching it again because it's that much fun. It is. I mean, I I like to have physical copies of things. I do oh, stream yeah. stuff, but I don't tend to download. So I went off in search of the physical copy, and I went into the store that I usually go to, and I said, "Don't laugh at me, but do you have Prince of Persia?" And they said, "Well, we promise we won't laugh," and then giggled to themselves. And then, um, and then they said, "Actually, it looks like it's been discontinued here in the UK." Ooh, that's Whoa. good. A Jake Gyllenhaal movie has been discontinued. Uh, a Ben Kingsley movie has been discontinued. Uh, so I went on Amazon actually and found it. So I think there were a few copies left, but I think for general distribution, uh, once the stores sell out, it's not coming back at the minute. And I can't imagine it's because Criterion is going to pick it up and release it on Blu-ray <laughs> or something. So, so I think I'm glad that I've got my my copy doesn't have any um, commentary. It's got a couple of extras, but not much. And but it doesn't have any commentary on it or or anything much. But I have it. I have it now to add to my Jake collection, and I'm very happy about that. Um, you know what? To be honest, I am too because I <laughs> I have I have major um I have um major like things about physical media. I mean, of course, I mean, I think we've actually talked about that. Like, you know, I yeah, prefer physical over over streaming. It's just like because in the next film that we're going to be talking about, um, you know, it's 
it's that's one of those films that like I actually have a physical copy, so I did not have to go and search out streaming because it's very difficult to find on streaming. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but ultimately, you know, I, I say, yeah, give it a shot. It's actually a lot of fun. And, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. You just spent, like, like you know, like I said, you just spent six bucks. I mean, you, you probably spent more on Suicide Squad going to see that in the theater than oh God, you would. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I'm better, pretty sh- it's better than that. Oh, yes. Much better. Uh, it's much, much better. So, Marie, yeah. where can people find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at ReezyPie, R-E-E-S-I-E-P-I-E. Absolutely. You guys can find me always on the Twitter and Instagram handles, the Pod, the letter B, the word movie, and the word pod. Uh, we will be back next uh, episode, and we're going to be talking about uh, Brothers from 2009, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Tobey Maguire, and Natalie Portman, directed by Jim Sheridan. So you're going to have to listen to what we have to say about that. Maybe not as lengthy as Prince of Persia, but we still have some things to say about that movie. So... Uh, and again, thank you guys for your listenership. It means the world to me. It it it's the fuel that 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 moves the podcast forward. And so until next time, talk to you soon.